0: when you come to your deathbed you know what's important and i think we can all definitely take sometimes life pretty seriously and i think maybe at the the end you just sort of realize why did i take it all so seriously so i think when when you're sweating the small stuff you don't need to stress about every sort of thing so i think that's a concept to try and just sort of live a life that's relaxed and happy and i think that's a really cool way of looking at what matters when you come to the end of your life so For me it's definitely family, it's contributing to society and you know I try and contribute and with my music as well I try and contribute in a way that adds value to people's lives and then otherwise where I'm at is I just sort of want to have a little house, a nice garden, live independently and just enjoy life.
1: That was Mitch King and this is The Ocean Riders Podcast. The ocean riders podcast conversations with creatives entrepreneurs thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers my name is Immy and I am your host hi ocean riders I hope you're all well this episode today is a conversation with Mitch King The story behind this episode goes back to when COVID-19 wasn't a thing and when we could all travel safely and freely and we were even used to be able to make plans. Rewind uh, 11 months back and I was having the best surf trip ever in Byron Bay. One of the things I love most about Australia is there's definitely a culture for music and in particular in Byron Bay. It's as if this magical place seems to attract the musicians I absolutely love. For those who've never been there, Every evening you get spoilt with the most amazing live concerts speckled along the streets. On one evening we got attracted to an inexplicable energy on the sidewalk. Mitch King was playing in his one-man band style and he had managed to attract such a dense crowd that people were pouring off the pavement onto the street. Mitch was performing his debut hit, Coming Back, and the audience was on fire. From that moment on, I just did my research and found out that Mitch was a surfer too, so I made a commitment to invite him on the podcast. Fast forward a few months and I was talking to his manager and exchanging questions and calendars, and it's taken over nine months for this conversation to happen. So I'm very humbled that Mitch considered coming on the podcast, especially when you hear about his story and track record. So today's conversation was held on either side of the planet, me in my office here in France, and Mitch in his van in Broken Head, just outside Byron Bay. This conversation is about being a musician, chipping away and doing what you love, and I'm sure that, like me, you'll love Mitch's philosophy and the person he is. So without further ado, please welcome Mitch King. Welcome to the Ocean Riders Podcast. How are you today?
0: Pretty good, thank you.
1: (laughs) It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, I must explain maybe a sort of a bit of a backstory about, but this is our second take on the interview. Yesterday, I did the sort of biggest mistake a podcaster can do, and I forgot to check that I had the record button pressed. And so we interviewed, we did about 40 minutes conversation without <laughs> any recording. So you very patiently and very kindly set up a new schedule. And thank you for you being here and for being on the show. I guess before we start, do you think you could introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us how you see yourself as an ocean rider?
0: Yeah, Yeah, no worries. My name's Mitchell King and I've been sort of surfing probably since I've been 17 and Surfing for me is just like a sense of freedom and it's a place to unwind when I'm sort of in my world of music and stuff like that. So it's it's a very nice place just to sort of let off a bit of steam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Perhaps you could share with the listeners your story, your journey, starting maybe with where you grew up.
0: Yeah, so I, I grew up at Tambourine Mountain, which is in the Gold Coast inland and so I went to school up there and then in year 10 and 12 my parents they took my brother and I out of school and we were homeschooled and traveled around half around Australia in a caravan and tents and that was pretty cool and then we went to Tasmania and that was like really sort of where I kind of really got into the guitar and I had extra time to play because I was doing the bare minimum sort of subjects kind of homeschooled <laughs> and all this and then after school I sort of kind of lived around the mountains for a little bit and when I was about twenty twenty one, I, I got myself a van and continued traveling around Australia but this time by myself playing shows and tours and stuff like that. So I think that yeah, that's a little bit of an overview.
1: Lovely of your personal story. I wondered if who had the most influence on your music when you grew up.
0: There's definitely there's definitely quite a few people. Like I think the first moment was definitely <laughs> I've said that twice. <laughs> when I'm traveling in the back seat of my parents' car, and uh, we had this CD called The Continuum by John Mayer, and would listen to that, and it was just such a fresh, just a really nice driving CD. So that really got me into John Mayer. Then after that, because John Mayer is such a wicked blues guitar player, that got me into other players like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton. And then I just went further down that rabbit hole. And so what really got me into music was the guitar. Mm-hmm. And then so I really love blues kind of music. And then sort of what happened, I was going to a couple of festivals when I was young and I went to a festival called Woodford Folk Festival. And there was uh, this artist called Kim Churchill and he's like a folky, bluesy sort of artist and kind of heard the sound of this harmonica just echoing through probably about maybe a thousand people. And his energy as a performer had this really positive sort of, but really kind of grungy, bluesy folk kind of sound. And then the beat would drop and that was his kick drum. And it was the kind of kick drum that would hit you in the chest and the bass was so big. I think just feeling the energy from that performance, I just knew that I couldn't help it, but I was so into it.
2: Mm-hmm. So I,
0: I kind of had to do it. <laughs> but I didn't know straight away, oh, I'm going to do that. It took a couple of years of me going, oh, I'll pick up the harmonica. Oh, I'll do the kick drum. And so my one-man band sort of act is a, a little bit inspired from Kim Churchill. he's so. nice,
1: right. Well, that's extraordinary. And so what was the first thing you bought with your – your own
0: money? Oh, that's a very hard question to answer. I can't even remember that. I, I think the first big purchase I ever did was a purchase of just a guitar, mm-hmm. and that was about twelve, thirteen hundred 1300 bucks here in Australia. And then not long after, because that was an acoustic guitar, not long after, I said to my mum, I want to buy this electric guitar, and that's twelve, thirteen hundred 1300 dollars, another 12, or 1300 dollars. And I'm about 15 at this stage. So I kind of got into this little thing of trend of buying these expensive guitars. And at first it was sort of like, don't, you know, you don't want to spend all your money on guitars. But it's funny now, if I ever want to buy a guitar, mum's like, no, just get it. Get whatever you need. Get whatever you need. <laughs> so it's really changed. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So yeah, big guitars. <laughs>
1: that's fantastic. And so how long have you been performing now full time? Well, maybe I'll ask a The question before that is, how did you start performing in front of a public?
0: Yeah, so it started when not too long after I was playing the guitar, I was learning to play a few songs. Uh, And then I had a friend up the road and he also played guitar and he was playing some songs and singing and stuff like this. And so we would jam together and one day we decided, right, we're going to go to the busy tourist town at Tambourine Mountain and we're going to go busk together. For fun. It was, it was for fun. And then uh, we would sort of get our tips and our donations and stuff like that, and we were pretty shocked as to how much money we were making as just sort of young 14, 15-year-olds. So we thought, well, we probably don't need to get jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened is as we were basking more, we kind of got better performers because we were in front of people. And when you sort of play in front of people, you have to sort of kind of be good to a certain standard. I mean, there's a there's a sense of pressure. Mm. And then I think what happened one day, I was getting a better singer just by kind of like trying to do some harmonies. And then we decided we're going to split up and go to the other side of the street each. And then we made similar amount of money. Wow. And then that was the point where we go, okay, I think we're going to have to go solo because... <laughs> we're making a bit of money and stuff like this and I think going solo as a young person I kind of just got used to it really quickly because we threw ourselves in the deep end together Mm. by the time we separated and sort of represented ourselves, it wasn't such a a huge shift it was initially but we warmed to it and then that progressed to someone saying oh do you want to do a show at The brewery up the road at Tambourine and then after that that progressed to a lot of markets and I would sort of uh, had these five dollar CDs that I'd sell for five bucks each and I'd sometimes sell over a hundred at a market so that was the opportunity to get get out there as an artist yeah
1: yeah well that's that's so interesting and I must tell the listeners that when you perform there's you're like a magnet it's amazing like we hear you singing and the beats of your drum and it's just you just we're just hypnotized to listen to your music it's just incredible to see you perform in uh, real life and i had the privilege to see you at christmas time in byron bay and (laughs) it was just amazing it was incredible so how long did it take you to go from as you say busking in front of grannies in tambourine mountain becoming (laughs) a professional and, and living off it full time
0: yeah so it was a little bit of a when I was 14, 15, we were building up a bit of a thing going on where we'd probably earn, you know, 80 bucks for a few hours every day. And then as I went homeschooled, I traveled around Australia and stopped busking for a couple of years. And my parents were a little bit like, oh, well, that's a bit of a bummer. He was earning all this money and this and that. And I could have busked on the road as a as a young little kid, but... It just wasn't really appropriate because we we weren't anywhere long enough. Mm-hmm. But what happened is, is it was actually the opportunity for me to have so much extra free time being homeschooled and I would just learn as much as I could, just not trying to do it, but only doing it for – it was for fun. Right. And I was writing some songs that was kind of like subconsciously – channeled from somewhere and it was gibberish that didn't make sense. And it <laughs> and I just kind of put these random words with these random music and that was kind of like how my songs sort of started. And as soon as I was learning songs, I was pretty much just making up songs as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's always progressing, you know, the 25 million Pandora things are recent things. So mm-hmm. it's all just chipping away slowly and it's it's being patient. I'm kind of in it for the long run. You know, I'm just chipping away, doing what I love. And I think, you know, my first goal was I want to just make a comfortable living from my music. And I was sort of doing that by the time I was about 19, 20. And then after that, I'm just still making a comfortable living and doing the music. So just to sustainably do it has been the goal.
1: That's lovely. That's so, amazing. yeah,
0: maybe five years.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty quick, though. I was just wondering what it felt to win the Tamworth Country Music Festival, the busking competition.
0: What did you feel that day? At the time, what did I feel? I was a little bit shocked. I was surprised and I was happy. And it it took kind of a few days to sink in because after that busking championship thing, I played on the closing concert in Tamworth, which is playing to another 5,000 people. And so – It was a sense of like, oh, I'm making it. I'm making it as a musician, you know, (laughs) and I had some really good wins for a few months. And then if there's any musicians listening, they'll understand that you can go really, you feel like you're on the top of the world with your achievements or your music's doing well. And then a few months later, you kind of go back down to like small gigs and it's as a musician, it's very up and down, like a roller coaster. So, uh, I was stoked. I was so stoked. Uh-huh. But I think at this day and age, I sort of, I'm a little bit more cruisy about, you know, if it's a good thing that happens, cool. And if nothing happens, cool. <laughs> not trying to like wear my heart on my sleeve all the time if, if I have great achievements or not. But it was a great feeling anyway, to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: lovely. So from that, what was the journey? Did you start doing gigs for celebrities, sort of? artists and other other bands and music musicians
0: yeah uh, I've done quite a few support shows in the last two years I've supported there's a girl called Tones and I mm-hmm. and she kind of have you heard of her
1: I think yes that rings a bell
0: actually yeah yeah she was a girl from Byron who was kind of pretty much you could say a nobody to a superstar oh, over yes, a course, period yes. of a year
1: the da- dance monkey is that Tones and I. Exactly. Yes, yes, yeah, of
2: course.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so, so I know her, and so I supported her at Byron when she sort of blew up, uh-huh. and that wasn't actually a huge concert, but it looks good on the resume that I've supported Tones and I, uh-huh. and then, then I've also done the support tour for this guy called Roger Hodgson, who's the lead guy from Supertramp. And so he did a tour in Australia, so, so I supported him on three or four shows. And then uh, more recently, it would have been about 10, 11 months ago, I supported the band America, who do who the songs Horse With No Name and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I did those shows, in which was really cool. And one night I was a little bit, I don't know, I was sort of partying or whatever, doing my own little thing. And then very last minute, I've asked the band, do you guys know where my merch is? (laughs) I've asked the band, do you know where my merchandise is? (laughs) And they've said one of the guys knew where it was. And then they said, hey, Mitch, we didn't know you were sticking around to the end of the show. And I sort of, well, I said, of course, like, that's what I'm here for. Like, I love your music. And they said, well, would you like to play on the encore for us for the rest of the tour? Which the encore was the song "Horse with No Name," and uh, so I was playing slide guitar with those guys. And
1: oh my god! Yeah, he said wow.
0: it's it's two chords. It's E minor and D. That's what he said. <laughs> so that that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's all it's been little cafe gigs, <laughs> and little markets to playing "Horse with No Name" that, with America, and that. so it's it's everything you you do as a musician. That's
1: incredible, and it's amazing that you actually get to keep a clear head in all that sort of emotion and excitement um, to be able to sort of, you know, sit down and write your songs and, and continue, as you say, chipping, chipping at the, um, I don't know what the expression is in English, uh, chipping away.
2: Chipping, chipping away.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's fantastic. So maybe moving on, how do you actually produce your music?
0: Yeah. So in the, the first kind of CDs I did, I went with uh, just a company or, Just a bunch of people who record and mix and master it all. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first process. And then I think it turned out quite good. And then the second EP that I did called Southerly Change, I recorded that with a fellow in Byron Bay. And we did that. And that was a pretty cool experience. Then after that, I recorded a few songs with one of my really good mates. And he sort of like recorded it. And it was, he was actually, I asked him, can you do the demo? And that that was the song called Burning. Mm -hmm. And the demo sounded so good that we said, well, there's no point of taking this to anyone else. Like, can we just finish the demo with you? And then that led into a relationship where he did the next song. And then he did this, a song called Believe. And they both turned out pretty cool. And then after that, I went with a fellow in Australia called Marco Pitts to record a bunch of songs and he's, he's recorded in excess, a lot of in excess uh-huh. and ACDC. And so I, I just did one song with him. And then after that, I went with another fellow in Byron Bay. <laughs> and long story short, I've gone back to my good mate. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I think like recording is like a relationship. It's it's almost like a, a male-female trust relationship that really? you've got to feel really comfortable with your producer but in terms of getting demos and songs I record a lot of the stuff myself Uh as well but in terms of getting it professionally done I kind of jot down all my ideas on my software and then sort of take it to the producer and go yeah this is approximately what I'm sort of looking for. Right
1: right that's really interesting. So it's a little process. Yeah so during the COVID-19 lockdown did you sort of Go retreat to the country and and, and write a, a bunch of songs. Well, what happened? How did you manage that period?
0: Yeah, so I retre- I did retreat to the country. Uh, there's a place called Stanthorpe here in Queensland, and since the whole COVID, I will say nothing has really even changed in Stanthorpe that much <laughs> because it's a very quiet little town in the middle of nowhere. You would not even know that there's really a pandemic going on. <laughs> There is a bit of like there is social distancing and this sort of stuff but uh, otherwise it's pretty normal up at Stanthorpe and so I was in a shed for the whole year until just recently and in that shed I had my studio set up and I got producer which is his name's Blake Malone and he came to the shed and we spent 2 weeks and we'd have like fires <laughs> and you know we'd enjoy the days a little bit and then we'd sort of we had this weird shift where we'd kind of start working around three PM and then sort of uh, finish working around five AM in the morning wow. or four thirty, <laughs> and so we we're up so late, and you know we'll be we'll be drinking red wine and stuff like this because we're in like the creation mode, mm-hmm. and it's a really weird thing. Like when you're in the creation mode for a couple of weeks straight, I don't know, a bit of wine loosen up sort of. <laughs> You just don't take things too seriously and you're just sort of a bit airy and you're kind of like, oh, here's a riff here, here's a riff here. And so we just had two weeks of just like exploring ideas. And so that was really good. We recorded a whole EP in the country.
1: That's lovely. And, so, and when's the EP coming out?
0: Well, it's going to be sort of drip fed (laughs) because that's kind of like what music business is like in a way. This day and age, you know, you sort of release a single on Spotify and Um, then two months later you release another single on Spotify (laughs) and you just keep teasing everyone and then you hope that, you know, maybe some playlists or something's going to bite and then that'll really give you some more. So, So we're going to run with three singles and then drop the EP like Sometime next year. But the first single will be coming out in January next year.
1: Excellent. So what about two years? Because that's your latest release. Was when was that written?
0: That one was written about maybe three years ago approximately. (laughs) And it went through a couple of different versions. Yeah. And so I think three different versions till I found this version. And I often do that. I'll write some lyrics. I'll write some chords and then I'll be like, meh, that's cool, but it's not that cool." <laughs> and then, even now that I've released two Is, I've heard it that much. I don't. I'm bored of it. I don't even think it's a great song anymore. It's because I've written so long ago that the inspiration's gone for it, <laughs> which is a really weird one. And I think a lot of musicians can relate to that. They've heard the song so much, they just don't really need to hear it again ever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hilarious and so what actually sort of do you how does this inspirational sort of songwriting process work in your in your case
0: yeah I think the guitar the music that comes easiest I'll have thousands of riffs thousands of musical ideas but the trickiest thing is the lyrics because I think when you want to have that sort of passion to kind of finish the song it generally is sort of based on you caring about the subject of the song. Mm. So if you're passionate about what you're singing about, then you finish it more. That's mm. my experience. But then on the other hand, you do write songs where you kind of write in 20 minutes and it just sort of all came out of nowhere and then you've kind of got most of the song.
2: Yeah.
0: And then there's other songs that take three years to write. <laughs> so it's all a bit weird but I think it's worth like just recording it all and having like a database of heaps of recordings so on one of my phones that unfortunately died and I lost all the data which is a bit of a shame but it's okay there would have been about 600 recordings on it and there would have been tons of notes but I don't know the phone just died and yeah so that's all right though
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're so philosophical about it that's amazing (laughs)
0: Well, my sort of thought was if you want to be a musician who can keep writing, I think you can like try and train yourself to be a writer where you don't have to really worry about the old stuff. You can kind of keep bringing in new stuff. So that's my way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like sort of journaling but for in writing songs sort of thing and then an idea might come out or or
0: whatever. Yeah, exactly, and it's also can be a little bit sort of daunting when you've got so many recordings, so much information. And you're like, I don't know what to do now. There's <laughs> there's so much. Yeah. So I've kind of, and even on my new phone now, there's like a ton of recordings that I don't even listen to. So, <laughs> so yeah,
1: fantastic. And maybe we could sort of dwell upon the amazing sort of milestone that you reached a few weeks ago, which was hitting twenty five million downloads on Pandora. Now yesterday when we had this discussion you were very modest about it and <laughs> and I couldn't believe it actually but what did you actually feel when you hit that 25 million mark?
0: I don't think I felt a whole lot because I already knew that you know in the past there may have been 20 million 21 22 so I was a little bit normalized by the fact that the streams were at that level so I don't know you just kind of instantly the first time i found out about my pandora streams i think there might have been 15 16 million plays the first time i knew about it all because here in australia pandora is not a huge thing so we're kind of like not up to date with pandora streams so i didn't really know and the first time i sort of didn't even really believe it i was like oh okay (laughs) okay And then it just sort of sunk in a bit more. That's kind of how my brain works sometimes, that the information takes a bit of time to sink in. And then I was like, oh, sick, that's (laughs) awesome. And, yeah, the streams are really good because that kind of helps, you know, fund my music as well. So it gives me a lot of freedom where I can not have to get a job Mm -hmm. and I can just continue to write music because people are listening to it. And so I'm really I'm really, like, happy and, you know, blessed and grateful that that is occurring. And so, yeah, when when the 25 million thing happened, I suppose, it, it was just like, oh, I should probably share the information and for some reason let people know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah.
1: That's lovely. That's lovely. And, and so what's your favourite instrument to play at the moment, maybe?
0: Well, it's always been the guitar. It's just kind of like my musical voice Mm -hmm. and then the other bits are sort of like come after in a a way most of the time yeah yeah because
1: you were saying that you started to learn the saxophone like you're picking up instruments as you go there any sort of other instruments that you want to learn or you want to learn to play to
0: add to your music yeah well in regards to the saxophone like I'm not a saxophone player, really. I'm just someone who could probably record a few, a few notes and play a few notes here and there in my recordings more for atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to have a few instruments where you can play to use it as an effect in your recordings. But in terms of instruments that I play professionally, it's the guitar and harmonica. And I play didgeridoo mm-hmm. quite decently as well. And then I've got the one-man band with the kick drum, the tambourine, all the pedals that I do, and the one-man band things. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I can play a couple of piano chords, but I wouldn't really say that I'm much of a a player in any other department besides the guitar, harmonica, and didgeridoo.
1: Right, right. Yeah. That's lovely. And I was wondering, yeah, when I saw you perform, I was quite surprised because you were barefoot, and then in your videos you're barefoot, and... In your concerts, you're barefoot. And I was just wondering if that was a sort of to stay grounded or is there there a technical (laughs) reason to being uh, barefoot and, and performing?
0: Yeah, well, a lot of people have said that and they're thinking that like an earthy sort of hippie kind of person. And I probably am anyway, but for me, even when I supported America or I played the big shows, I always go barefoot. And that is because all the pedals have these different knobs on them, which is like add a bit more reverb, add a bit of delay to your sound. So kind of manually controlling everything that I play with my toes. Any guitarist who has a pedal board would totally understand Mm -hmm. that having your toes is (laughs) like an asset. So, yeah, having the shoes, I just couldn't do as much with like the sonic sound.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, that's, that's what it's all about.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, that's a really good info actually. And do you sort of find yourself in a sort of trance or in a kind of a different state when you perform? Do you go into sort of high concentration mode or do you feel something in particular when you're performing?
0: Definitely. Especially when, well, even when you're in the zone, Mm -hmm. that's the key. When you're in the zone, you're kind of very concentrating, but at the same time, it's effortless. And then there's also, a thing that you're putting everything on the line. You're all in. And you're performing with that kind of sort of intention, I suppose, that you're all in. Yeah. Yeah. You're just delivering everything you got. And when it comes to speaking in public, you're just trying to be as, as much as yourself as possible and just trying to be in the moment as much as possible as well is really good. I always kind of drink a little bit of a coffee before I go on stage, just to sort of perk me up a little bit, because I can be pretty chill a lot of the time, so it kind of gives me a little bit of an edge, but then if you have too much coffee, then you actually like play everything 5 BPM faster, (laughs) (laughs) so there's a really fine line, I think, just a little bit of a coffee, and if you're a little bit super nervous, maybe you can have a small little sip of a little bit of red wine or something small, but. I only would have just a tiny bit of anything because, mm-hmm. I don't know, when you're doing a one-man band sort of thing and you kick drum, your tambourine, you're using all your limbs and your toes and your mouth and <laughs> you kind of need to be on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and if the show sort of like kind of gets derailed or something bad happens, there's no one to lean back on. So mm. you'll stick out yeah. like yeah. you've made you know, the show, you know, you'll make a big (laughs) mistake and you won't be able to hide behind anyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And actually, you also have this kind of conversation with the audience. That's really, really interesting. Does that sort of come up naturally? Or is that something that you've had to sort of cultivate?
0: It's something that you get more comfortable with. And even still, like, I'll play shows and I go, oh, I probably didn't talk the best tonight. And then I'll be on a sort of you know, on fire for a few shows and I was, I think the more shows you do, the more of a groove you get in Mm -hmm. and you just get used to talking to people. You get used to being around people and you're not so worried about being the center of attention because I think at the end of the day as a a musician, the way I sort of see it is you kind of got to be the host of the party.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, so it does take practice, but it's pretty fun. (laughs) It's pretty fun. (laughs)
1: Fantastic And I was just wondering That sort of zone That you're in When you're performing Does that feeling Sort of resemble When you're surfing at all Could you compare them
0: It's actually very different I think What I Actually this is a cool one Because when you're performing I think what happens is Let's say a hundred people Is watching you You're getting all this energy But it's not really your energy And so after a show You leave the show Feeling like you've had Four coffees Ah. And you, it's really hard to it's really hard to wind because you're actually pinging with all this energy, but I think it's not your energy. That like this is a in depth way of looking at it. Right. And I think something like surfing is a way to sort of ground yourself, and it's a way to sort of wash off all of that stuff and and chill out. It's a way of winding and kind of returning back to your normal state, which I think is a very important thing to do as a musician, especially when you're touring. Show after show after show, running on that sort of high, I suppose, which is after the performance, pinging on everyone's energy. So the surfing is a really kind of good hand in hand tool, like even putting your feet on the be- on the grass or spending a bit of time in the sun, where possible, just to sort of ground yourself as well. So that's what surfing is for me. Right, right. Plus so fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and how long have you been a surfer? When did you pick it up?
0: So I'm from Mount Tambourine, which is 45 minutes from Snapper Rocks, which is the second busiest break in the world. So I, I generally don't surf there, but there's a lot of kind of spots within about an hour and a half. And as soon as I got my license, I uh, started kind of bodyboarding. Okay. And then I think maybe bodyboarding from 17 to 18. And then after that, I got a surfboard and I've been surfing probably nearly nine years now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm 27. So I've been surfing ever since. But I I always knew as a a young kind of kid that I wish I could surf. I wanted to surf all the time, but I could never get to the surf. That was the problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I got the license <laughs> I was straight to the surf <laughs>
1: <laughs> and who inspired you to did you sort of go surfing with a buddy or, or was this a solo process
0: well I've always been pretty chill I've always been pretty happy like just to go surf by myself but there was definitely quite a few buddies that we'd have as well and we'd all go down together and we'd sort of like take one car we'll go to the surf and uh and even today i surf with a lot of buddies but really end of the day I'm there to surf the waves so Oh, it's one of those things you can just totally do by yourself. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's nice to bring a bunch of buddies because, like, here in Australia, there's there's a lot of breaks that there can be no one on as well. <sighs> and it's kind of, you've always get that sharky feeling, yeah. like, oh, shit, is yeah. there sharks here? Yeah,
1: and if you had a magic wand, is there anywhere else than Broken Head or Byron Bay that you'd like to be right now? <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> Well, in terms of surf, you know... I'm actually pretty happy here in Australia. Like scared. there's a lot of good surf. There's a lot of space and stuff like that. And I think it's a pretty, it's not a bad place to be with COVID either. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't head too South because there's a bubble where I live now. and We can't really cross borders too much. Okay. And I, a lot of, the, there's a spot called Ngari, which is near Yamba, and that's uh-huh. one of my favourite surfs. That's actually my favourite surf spot ever. Really? But unfortunately, it's just out of the border, like, of where I can travel about maybe, maybe it's 100 kilometres too far away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, when the border's open, you know, I'll be definitely going to Ngari. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fantastic. So just as a sort of reminder, because the listeners haven't, haven't sort of, don't have the view that I have but we're actually having this conversation from your van I wonder what you could tell us about your van life what's it like
0: well I've been in the van again now for about eight days and it's it's kind of like cool but I think for someone who's done it a lot of their life Mm -hmm. I'm kind of getting a bit ready for a house again (laughs) but uh, there's definitely a lot of pros as well You can really just pull up where you can go surf all the really good beaches. I surfed Lennox Head this morning. It was it was about four foot and it was just really nice. And yeah, there's a lot of good surf around here. You can just drive to and it's a pretty good country to live in in a van. Yeah, and it's freedom. So I would definitely say it's overall it's pretty wicked to be honest, actually.
1: (laughs) And could you sort of describe your van to the listeners? What kind of equipment you've got
0: inside and and things like that yeah so it's it's a ford transit mm-hmm. and it's one that you can stand up in and in the inside there's like all this ply that's sort of been stained and it looks really cool and then i've got like this marine carpet which is like a really dark blue nice kind of carpet <laughs> and then it's like there's a fan on the top you can walk around in here i've got a fridge i've got batteries and an inverter which kind of converts your 12 volt car battery power to 240 volt Mm -hmm. well we run on 240 volt here in australia Mm -hmm. but just normal household power and uh yeah it's it's a pretty chilled out little setup did you give your van a name oh i did so the name is bert senior
1: (laughs) (laughs) what's the story behind that
0: well the reason why it's Bert Senior is because I had another van which was like another little camper and that one was called Bert. <laughs> and then when I saw this van I thought, right. I had no other name. I just said it looks like Bert as well. And I just don't have another name that's better. So that's why I just said Bert Senior. Because it's the bigger van. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: brilliant. What kind of songs have been inspired by your your Bohemian lifestyle?
0: Probably most of everything I've written. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much the bulk of everything I've written has been sort of written in this kind of lifestyle. Fantastic. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it definitely transpires into your music as well. You can actually sort of feel that when you listen to your music. I guess we're sort of getting to the end of the this lovely conversation mitch it's been a, a real pleasure and an honor to talk to you i just wondered if there are any mantras that you live by
0: when you say mantra what do you mean
1: i don't know maybe some sayings or a philosophy in life or something that you know for me for example it's you know what you know you know what you don't know but you don't know what you don't know that, that's something that i live by right <laughs> yeah okay know, like you have any sayings or whatever
0: I don't have any sayings that I generally live by, but I definitely have, like, a lot of ideas in terms of, you know, maybe living life. And I sort of think, you know, when you come to your deathbed, you know, what's important? And I think we can all definitely take sometimes life pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe at the the end you just sort of realise – why did i take it all so seriously so i think when when you're sweating the small stuff you don't need to stress about every sort of thing so i think that's a concept to try and just sort of live a life that's relaxed and happy
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that's a really cool way of looking at what matters when you come to the end of your life so for me it's definitely family mm-hmm. it's contributing to society and you know i try and contribute and with my music as well i try and contribute in a way that adds value to people's lives and then otherwise Where I'm at is I just sort of want to have a little house, a nice garden, live independently, and just enjoy life. Lovely. So that'll probably be what I live by.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic.
0: Or working towards, working towards. Yeah,
1: yeah, lovely, (laughs) absolutely beautiful. So before we leave, I was just wondering what your plans are for the next few months. You were talking about your EP that's coming out in January. Are there any other things on the calendar
0: there? Since the COVID, there's a lot less on the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be releasing some music in January and there'll be a couple of singles and then we're kind of going to sort of plan to, to do some touring maybe April onwards. Mm-hmm. It's a, In Australia at the moment, it's very up and down sort of, you know, one week it's looking all good and then another week it's not not looking so good. So mm-hmm. it's a bit up and down at the moment. And it's a little bit hard to make any plans until the sort of world returns a little bit more normal as a musician. Yeah. So we're just, I'm just trying to enjoy my time, keep healthy mm. and all that kind of stuff.
1: Are you still performing in Byron Bay as the time spent lucratively or, or are you just sort of chilling out in Byron Bay right now?
0: Pretty much chilling out. There's been a lot of purposelessness going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The surf hasn't been pumping here every day, so that's kind of, yeah, I'm waiting. It's not the best season for surf uh-huh. at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm just trying to, like, you know, just work out what I'm going to do. I'm writing more music. I want to do some more. Actually, want to start doing some meditation music as well.
1: Wow, lovely.
0: And just kind of have a little few projects within the music and work out all the things I can do at home and stuff like that so I've been happy with it all but it's just a little bit of a shift that's all
1: yeah yeah that's absolutely so how do we get hold of you and how can we listen to your music
0: yeah so if you type Mitch King in on Google or or Spotify or Pandora or Instagram or Facebook anything really you should find me
1: okay okay and (laughs) before we part I'm going to put on your latest single which is two ears could you tell us a bit about the story about how you wrote two ears
0: yeah so that that was a song written about three years ago there was this moment in time when i was passenger in my friend's car and i was kind of riding the wave of like everything's happening with my music so i was kind of buzzing off my achievements at the time and just talking about music all the time and i suppose the conversation was about my music all the time and i I think she felt a little bit unempowered Mm. and just kind of hearing about my stuff all the time and so she said that to me and I I felt like oh bugger yeah you know I can relate to what you're saying so the song is about listening and it's kind of a song of sort of acknowledging what she said to me and and the the chorus is like it's a common saying that you've got two ears and you've got one mouth So, you know, listen twice as much as you talk, one would think. So it's kind of a little bit about that concept and stuff.
1: So let's listen to your latest release, Two Ears.
2: that you speak When you're around my thoughts are drowned And love it feels damn weak She's leaving now and gonna break free I'm feeling lost and feeling found Without me now she's gonna be fine It's not now. Now, now, oh Two weeks for listening and one mouth to talk
1: Thank you ever so much for sharing it with us on the Ocean Riders podcast. I guess we're parking the bus now and I just wanted to know how you feel.
0: Did you say parking the bus?
1: Yes. (laughs) Is that a saying? Yeah, what does that
2: mean?
0: Parking
1: the bus. Parking the bus for me would mean we're getting to the end of the conversation, I guess. And yeah, before we part, I just wanted to know how you feel.
0: I feel pretty good. (laughs) It's raining here and I don't know if you can hear there's yes. a big lightning wow. there's lightning right here now, so <laughs> and you can hear the thunder and Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. That's good.
1: That's good. Well thank you ever so much, Mitch, for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the Ocean Riders podcast and I just really wish you all the success that you deserve and hope to sort of hear about you in the near future.
0: Ah, Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate that. And I enjoyed talking with you.
1: That was a lovely conversation and I really hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. And I'd like to thank Mitch and his manager for letting me use his latest track, Two Ears, on the podcast. You can find Mitch's music all over the music platforms and his videos are available on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. And you can also look at some photos and videos on my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com and on medium.com. The Ocean Riders Podcast is a non-profit operation. I actually produce these episodes in my spare time and on my own funds and I would be so stoked if you could help me grow. Number one, like, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Number two, don't hesitate to share this podcast with your friends and family. Use social media to spread the word and connect with me on Instagram at The Ocean Riders Podcast, on Facebook at The Ocean Riders Podcast, and on Twitter at Immy Podcast. You can even come and join me for a chat when you like, so write to me at hello at podcast.com. And last but not least you can help me by getting some Ocean Riders merch. In fact I have a great time in my spare time creating t-shirts and sweatshirts and other cool goodies that you can find on my merch shop which is called shop.com. Go ahead and check it out. You can even use the discount code bethechange20, that's be the change 20 all in one word and you'll get a 20 percent discount at the checkout in fact all these actions will help me pay for my awesome editor Leng Inke and for my hosting fees that said all that housekeeping out of the way I would like to thank you for listening to the podcast and I would like to thank Mitch for being an awesome guest today that said take care have fun and enjoy the waves ciao